We're loving seeing all y'all on Wednesday night. Praise God. I wondered if anybody was going to come after I preached on Sunday morning, you know, after the... Yeah, came for more. Well, good. Have you been living like Jesus is coming back? Amen. Praise God. It's good to be aware. Well, we're going to go ahead and go forward. If you'd like to uh, give tonight, the ushers will get to you and and uh, serve you for an envelope if you need one. Familiar scripture in Matthew 6. Um, Verse 31, the Lord said, don't take thought saying. Let me know if you get something on your mind and start thinking about it, will you start talking it? Are you still here? And, you know, talking, you know, is uh, Jesus said speaking. Uh, you know, you'll have what you say. So the place to deal with this is in your mind. And uh, don't think wrong. Because if you have wrong thinking, you'll have wrong believing and speaking, and then you'll have wrong. And so he said, uh, take no thought or don't have anxious uh, worry saying. So don't speak out of worry. You know, what shall, this is how worry sounds. What are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or where will, will we be clothed? What are we going to do? Right? You know, I have a friend that's a minister, and he said one time that, uh, you know, the enemy kept bothering him, saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he said, finally, the Spirit of God rose up, and he said he almost picked that up and started saying, what am I going to do? Because he had an impending situation that he needed, you know, some things uh, done. And uh, he said the Spirit of God spoke up on the inside of him and said, ask the devil what he's going to do. And uh, he got to thinking about that, and he said, that's right. He said, devil, you know, you're losing ground. People are getting saved. There's a revival happening all over the world. And people are getting out of your kingdom into God's kingdom. People are getting filled with the Spirit and getting healed. What are you going to do? You're, you're losing ground. And uh, then he thought about in the book of Revelation where it said that Michael, you know, uh, came down with chains and bound the devil and threw him in the bottomless pit and he said yeah michael's getting those chains ready what are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> he said it wasn't too long before there you know the tormenting thoughts and stuff that the devil was bringing to his mind that he was gone so you just need to ask the devil what are you going to do and what we're going to do is we're going to trust the lord <coughs> and not be afraid Rely on him. So he said, don't take any anxious thought or worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He said, don't focus. And this goes back to what we were talking about again on Sunday about setting our mind on heavenly things. You know, we're not supposed to just be thinking about natural things all the time. You're here tonight because you apparently was thinking about the kingdom of God and the things of God. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there was something that you could have done. You know, you could have watched something at home or went to bed early or, or uh, you know, ate chips and, and uh, drank pop till midnight or something, you know. But uh, <coughs> praise
praise God, uh, you're here, you're interested in the things of God. And he said, don't uh, be buried in all these things. He said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And, you know, northwest Arkansas is a prosperous area, and uh, there's been some entrepreneurial, you know, development from uh, the Waltons and different ones in the area. And, you know, you can get making money on your mind so much that, uh, that you lose out on your spiritual life. And so you have to keep your priorities right. So he said, uh, you know, for after all of these things do Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. Say it with me. He knows what I need. Now, he had just said in Matthew 6, 8, earlier in the chapter, he said, don't be, he was talking about how the Gentiles pray. He said, don't be like the Gentiles. He said, be not ye therefore like unto them, because they pray repetitiously over and over and over about a thing. But he said, your father knows. Say, my father knows. He said, my father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Amen? God already knows what we need before we ask. It shouldn't take us a half an hour to, uh, you know, to make God aware of our problems. He already knows before we ask. You can spend minimal time on uh, making the Lord understand the problem. He already knows the problem and already has provided the answer prior to you coming. So he knows what you have need of before you ask. Amen. And then again, over in verse 32, Jesus, this is Jesus talking about the Father. He said, uh, again, 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your, father, your heavenly Father knoweth. So here's two times in the chapter, and there's other places that our heavenly Father knows. Glory to God. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But uh, he's given us instructions on how to, you know, have all of our needs met and enjoy God's best. He said, but seek ye first, instead of seeking those things, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Can you say amen? You know, another place he, uh, Paul was talking about that, you know, that ministers should be supported, and he said no man went to war at his own expense. How many knows the Army will provide you sea rations and boots and a rifle and a uniform? You don't have to come with your own uniform. Amen? You just need to enlist, and if you enlist, all that other stuff comes with it. How many knows the boots come with the enlistment? How many knows the, you know, the rifle is going to come with the enlistment? The training is going to come with the enlistment. And so when you enlist in the kingdom of God and in the Lord's service, then uh, he personally takes the responsibility for all that you need to, uh, to perform what his plan and purpose is for your life. He underwrites, amen, he provides where he guides. So he said, after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need 
of all these things. He said, but seek ye first, not second, third, fourth, or fifth. Amen. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. All these things. How many of these things? All these things. Shall be what? Subtracted? Divided? Added. All these things shall be added unto you. Now again, I've mentioned this before, but they say that the Greek word for added there is very near to the English word annex. You know, and a lot of times a city will annex or take in joining a community. Uh, you know, sometimes you buy a particular thing and there's something that comes with it. If you buy, you know, a piece of property, sometimes you get a swimming pool with it. Or if you buy, uh, you know, if you get a job, then a paid vacation comes with it. And, you know, benefits uh, are annexed with uh, your, you know, decision. And so he said here that all these things will be annexed. They'll be taken in with your seeking first the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? And so God does not, the whole spirit of the passage is God does not want us to be worried about finances. Can you say amen? God doesn't want you worried about food or clothing or, uh, you know, what you're going to eat, drink, or wear. Uh, he said take you know uh, you know focus on seeking first him and uh, he would make the way and provide everything that we needed amen so he said the uh, last verse he said take no therefore no thought other translations say don't be anxious for tomorrow how many knows you don't have to borrow on tomorrow when it comes to worrying <laughs> He goes on and says, For tomorrow shall be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. There's enough stuff going on that day that you don't have to worry about, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow. Amen. Aren't you glad that we got a heavenly Father? This whole passage, Jesus mentioned Father about 30 times. And I think probably that it upended the Jews' theology if he had come like John the Baptist preaching, repent, you, you know, brood of vipers. You know, the axe is laid at the root of the tree. They might have, you know, received it better. But I think they were dumbfounded because Jesus talked about how loving and how good the Heavenly Father was. And I uh, thank God we need to know Christ, uh, you know, and get acquainted with Christ as our personal Savior. But we don't need to stop there. Part of growing up spiritually is uh, actually getting acquainted with your heavenly Father. It's a huge revelation of God's love for us to know uh, the Father and be personally acquainted with the Father. And so, uh, praise God, we do have a heavenly Father. You know, sometimes people get focused about what their past life had been and they grew up and said, you know, and it's on their mind a lot, well, I didn't have a good father, or my father died when I was young, or, you know, my father passed away when I was in school. Uh, you know, and sometimes people say, well, I didn't have a good earthly father. Well, if you're born again, you got a good father now. 
can you say amen? And so anything and everything that a human being could have been to you, God will be that and so much more. You may not be able to sing with your visible eye, but he's just as real and is with you, never leaves you nor forsakes you, and will provide for you. He'll take a father's place and be a father's, uh, take a father's part. He's the father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He's gracious and compassion. And uh, there's no earthly father that was ever as good as our heavenly father. Amen. Uh, just go here to Matthew 7 quickly. Mind if I take my liberty here to go just a little bit further about our heavenly father? Sit with me. I have a good, good, good heavenly father. Amen. Praise God. Um, let me see if I can find one other scripture here. Psalms 103. Verse 13, let's read that. Praise God. Say it again with me. I have a good, good heavenly Father. Amen. Now, you know, I remember growing up, I had a, a grandparents on my paternal side, and uh, there was three of us boys. And uh, my grandmom on my that side of the family, uh, it was easy to to realize that she favored one of the three, and it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> now my brothers accused my mother of favoring me, but they, you know, they never have got things right. <coughs> But uh, my, my grandmom favored the middle brother. But uh, one thing about God, God does not play or have any favorites. He doesn't give preferential treatment to any of his children. And God loves you just as much as he loves, you know, whoever. John Wesley or, you know, Oral Roberts or Billy Graham. Or, uh, God loves all of his children equally. And, uh, you know, he'll take, uh, he'll hear your prayers just as much as he'd hear anybody's prayers. In fact, the Bible teaches us that God loves us just like he loves Jesus. say well that's hard for me to believe well you just have to accept the word of God but the Bible says that God loves us like he loves Jesus we're in Jesus amen hold, hold your place here Let, we'll, let's read Psalms and then we'll read a couple other scriptures say it with me God loves me he's my heavenly father 
Amen. Uh, Psalms 103, verse 13. Uh, you know, Psalms 103 starts with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, don't forget all of his benefits. Who heals, uh, forgives all of our iniquity, heals all of our diseases, redeems us from destruction, crowns us with tender mercies and loving kindness. You know, you got a crown today. You've been crowned with tender mercies and loving kindness. Amen. So he satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like eagles. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful, that is full of mercy, and gracious. What does gracious mean? Of the disposition to do favors. Say that with me. The Lord is of such disposition to do favors for me. Amen? Now, you know, when we talk about favor, you know, we talk about undeserved, unmerited, undeserved favor, grace being that, and that's true. But, uh, you know, favor means uh, if, some, if somebody favors someone, that means they give them preferential treatment. Right? I mean, sometimes if people, you know, maybe uh, injured a leg and uh, people will, would ask in a way, why are you favoring that leg? In other words, you're taking the weight off of it and the other one is picking up the burden right if the right leg's injured and you're favoring it then the left leg picks up the weight of it to keep it from hurting right and that'd be called favoring that leg you're giving that leg preferential treatment the lord is of a disposition to give you preferential treatment He favors his children. Can you say amen? Say it with me. I have God's favor on me. Amen. You know, at work, uh, you know, uh, the favor of God is on you. In life, the favor of God is on you. Can you say amen? And that will give you a smile. So, well, my supervisor don't like me. Well, God likes you and favors you. And if God fa if, if God favors you and you favor God, then God said he'd make even his enemies to be at peace with you. You know, I, I can say tonight, I'm God's favorite. And it's not that other people aren't his favorite because he don't have any favorites, all of us are his favorite. <laughs> now this will help you. It will help your self-image and your self-esteem to know that God is favoring you. You know, the Lord spoke to, you know, to uh, Mary and said, 
behold our highly favored well that same thing is used that same uh, uh, in uh, you know in Ephesians 1 it says you know that we are accepted or favored in the beloved you know this all goes back to covenant how many remember the uh, covenant that David had with Jonathan and uh, you know after Jonathan was killed in battle David sought out and looked for somebody that was of Jonathan's family so that he could favor them remember that and he had a son that was lame, Mephibosheth, and he dwelled at a place called Lodabar, and I think he was trying to fly, you know, fly under the radar and kind of hide out there because usually when one king came into power, if there was other of the king's family, that he would, you know, eliminate them so that there wouldn't be a rebellion or a coup or whatever. But instead of eliminating Saul's family, David searched out and found that he had a son and he brought him out of Lodabar, and he seated him at his table, gave him the clothing and the food of a king's son, and uh, he had a place at the palace. And the reason that he was so highly favored was because of the covenant that he had made with Jonathan years ago, because Jonathan was his son. And, uh, and so... Uh, we're favored in the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like Mephibosheth was favored and David gave him the royal uh, palace position, gave him the food, gave him the clothing, you and I were treated as king's sons because of Jesus. Jonathan didn't, I mean, Mephibosheth didn't do anything to earn it. It was just because David had a covenant and he was gracious and you and I have a covenant because of what Jesus did. We are favored and treated preferentially and loved. And the Bible says that we're heirs of God and joint heirs. Well, what kind of heirs? The Phillips translation says we're equal heirs with Christ that means everything that's Christ is ours and if you start really studying the New Testament I mean we had we're you know he was made sin that knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ so you have Christ's righteousness and we have his name now you know we can start a shouting uh, service tonight just by talking about his name a little bit, but the name of an individual, if you have been given power of attorney and given their name to use, it's the power of attorney is worth and equal to the value of what that name stands for and what the person is worth and the resources behind that name. If I was going to move out of the United States for five years and I said to Nedra, you know, I'm, I'm going to sign a power of authority over to you, and uh, you've got the right to use my name for anything that's needed, right? Well, what would what would she what would the what would that value of that name be? Well, if I was a billionaire and she had my name, that means she could sign anytime she had a need. And the Bible says that we 
are joint heirs with Christ. And that's why it says in Philippians 4.19, it says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So anything that's in Jesus' account, I can sign with his name and get it. I have power of attorney. That's why he said in that day, talking about the new covenant day, he said, you won't ask me for anything. He said, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, I will do that for you. So you you can, you basically, I remember one time when I was in college that my mom, uh, bless her heart, she wasn't too business savvy. My dad had passed on and went to be home with the Lord. And so every once in a while, she'd get me on her heart and send me something. And, uh, you know, I was in college. And, and so one day I opened up a letter from her, and it had a blank signed check in it. <laughs> her name wasn't filled out. It was her check and had her address and all of her information on it. But she hadn't wrote my name in it, and she hadn't wrote a dollar amount in it. It just had her signature on it. I called her and said, Mom, don't do that again. If that got lost in the mail, somebody could clean you out. <laughs> but basically, that's what John 16, 23 and 24 is saying. He said, in that day, you'll ask me for nothing. He said, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he whatsoever he will give it you. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. So God's given you and I a blank check. You can fill it in for two pennies, or you can fill it in for something significant. Can you say amen? I mean, you can fill it in for a new job. You can fill it in for a car. Are you still here? You can fill it in for a financial need met. You can fill it in for healing. And then, you know, people come up with songs. Here we, you know, travel through this life like a beggar. And all the resources of heaven is available to us to have all of our needs supplied according to his riches and glory. He didn't say, you know, come, you know, cringingly to the Father's, you know, mansion and sit outside on the curb and cry and act like you're desperate long enough. And if you do, maybe he'll have a little bit of pity on you and you'll get your need met. He said, come boldly. Why come boldly? Well, Hebrews earlier said, because of the blood, let us enter boldly into the holiest with confidence. We're sons, we're righteous, we're cleansed by the blood. We have access to the Father and to all the riches of heaven. And that bears witness with other scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, you know, all things through the knowledge of Christ, the Bible says in Second Peter, he's given us all things that pertain to life and God, given us all things that pertain to life and God. It's Ephesians 1, 3, you know. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Amen. Glory to God. So this ought to expand our horizons. Can you say amen? But we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. 
were adopted unto sonship. That would mean I am a son of God. And if I'm a child, a son, I'm an heir. An heir of God and a joint heir with Christ Jesus. Now that is the heart of preferential treatment and the disposition of favor and that's who God is really is and what he's really like he wants to favor you and treat you preferentially I heard brother Ken Copeland preaching one time and he said grace means that God wants to treat us just as if we had never sinned That's the way Jesus was, right? And because of our righteousness it's given, God sees us just as if we had never sinned. So all this stuff about, do I deserve it? No, we don't deserve it, but yes, we do deserve it because of what Jesus paid the price for it. And if we don't enjoy it, then we're actually allowing grace to be given in vain. If he paid enough for me to be healed and took stripes so that I could be healed, then it would be, you know, disrespectful not to enjoy what he paid such a high price to provide. Say it again with me. God favors me. He treats me preferentially. I am a child of God an heir of God, all my need is supplied by his riches and glory. Isn't he a good father? Glory to God. So my grandmom favored the middle brother. Uh, you are God's favorite. Say it with me. I am God's favorite. I hold my head up high. I got a song in my heart. He's working everything out for my good and his glory. He loves you. He favors you. You're his child. Amen. He wants to be gracious to you and show you uh, his kindness. But if we think wrong about God, then, and our mind is not renewed, then uh, we won't receive things from God and allow him to do things for us that he desires to do. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. So here he said, um, um, verse 8, the Lord is full of mercy. Well, glory to God. That's a good place to set up a camp and meditate. Amen? He's full of mercy. And then, of course, it says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 in the New Testament that he's the father of mercies. And mercies is plural. The father of mercies, not the father of mercy, the father of mercies. Well, 
but people still say, yes, God is merciful to forgive the sinner. But when it comes to healing, you know, they're like, well, you know, you just never know what the Lord's will is. Well, all through the New Testament, uh, people asked for uh, the mercies of God when they wanted to be healed. Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus didn't correct them and say, no, it's not mercy that you're wanting. You're, it's not mercy, it's healing you're wanting. No, healing is a mercy. Amen? It is a mercy. And so he's the father of mercies, plural. Both of forgiveness, that's why it's together. And, you know, we talked about this last, uh, you know, uh, Psalms 103 last week. We talked about keeping those two together, uh, you know, who healeth, who forgives all of our iniquities and heals all of our diseases. You can't separate what God put together. I know Brother Steve and I was talking uh, after service, and Brother Steve, you know, brought up the point. He said, you know, the healing and, and, the, and the forgiveness can't be separated because he said if you go back to the beginning and look at the origin of sickness and disease, sickness and disease got into the earth. Death got into it. It says in Romans 5, through sin, death began to reign. Through one man's sin, death came into the earth. Until there was sin, there wasn't any death. Right? And I think it was John Alexander Dyer that said, uh, you know, sickness is the foul offspring of its mother's sin and its father Satan. Uh, you know, uh, sickness left unchecked will end up, uh, you know, oftentimes being terminal or taking a person's life. So death and sickness are connected together. And sickness wasn't in the earth, and death wasn't in the earth till sin got in the earth. And the point Brother Steve was, uh, you know, talking about that was, you know, real strong in his mind he was sharing with me is that, you know, if you get the cure for sin, then you have the cure for sickness because sickness got in with sin. The origin of sickness is sin and death. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, the cure for sin is the cross. Remember in Exodus 15, 26, it says that, you know, which was type and a shadow, they got to a certain place and the water was bitter and they couldn't drink. How many remember that story? And they call the place Mara in Hebrews because Mara means bitter. And, uh, and so they're looking for a solution to get the bitter water sweet. And the Bible says the Lord showed Moses a tree, which is typical of Calvary, and he cast it into the water, and the water was made sweet. And it said there the Lord proved them and set up an ordinance and said, I will not put any of the diseases or allow any of the diseases that came on the Egyptians, and I will be the Lord that healeth thee or the Lord thy physician, or Jehovah Rapha. Can you say amen? And so the Jehovah Rapha is connected with the tree. And when Jesus, uh, you know, went to Calvary, uh, the, the, the source that brought in death and sickness into the earth was, was uh, dealt with in him. And so the, the, the remedy for sin is the, rem the rem remedy for sickness and disease is a remedy for sin. 
it's the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you cannot separate forgiveness and healing because both of them was legally bought in the redemptive price that was paid. And not only are we redeemed, when most people think I'm redeemed, what am I redeemed from? Sin? Yeah, you're redeemed from sin, but the New Testament says Christ hath redeemed us, being made a curse for us. Christ hath redeemed us from the, not only just sin, but from the curse of the law. And if you go back to see what the curse in Deuteronomy 28 for breaking of the law was, it includes separation from God, which is wages of sin is death or separation from God. But if you read through De Deuteronomy 28, the curse included poverty. It included insanity and losing your mind, right? And it included all kinds of sicknesses and diseases which if you read modern translations, some of these wasting diseases and, and you know, they're to, uh, determined, uh, you know, cancer, tuberculosis, uh, some of these things that, you know, that people deal with today. It's part of the curse of the broken law, but Christ hath bought us back and paid the price and redeemed us from the curse of the law because when the remedy for sin was made, the remedy for sickness and disease was made. And, you know, it really doesn't matter what method of healing. If you look through the New Testament, you can find several different methods of healing, anointing with oil, uh, you know, using authority in Jesus' name, like in Acts 3, uh, laying on of hands, like in Matthew 16, praying the prayer of agreement, praying the prayer of faith. Uh, you also find gifts of healing in operation in church. So there's a number of different methods of healing but all of those methods have their legal basis and ground and foundation in the redemption that Christ Jesus provided. Can you say amen? So God's preferential treatment and God's favor includes keeping you healthy and strong and healing you. Amen. And when people ask for mercy, uh, he didn't correct them. He, he healed them. Can you say amen? So what is God here? God is full of mercy. You know, the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion, moved with mercy. Well, here it says he's full of mercy. Whatever you're full of, you're moved by. You know, God is just so merciful tonight, he wants to do something for somebody. All you have to do is believe in his mercy. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. He'll heal you. Can you say amen? Say it with me. I receive the abundant mercy and the compassion and the grace, the kindness, the favor of my good, good God. You know, sometimes people, uh, you know, and I've been like this myself, but sometimes people talk about, you know, because of the way that they've experienced things in life and they, uh, they put up a, a barrier to other people loving them and other people try to love them but they're either their pride or their past experience or the fear or of being vulnerable or whatever they won't let that love in 
Have you ever been like that or known someone like that? Well, you know, that is between human beings, and sometimes people transfer their experiences in life with other human beings over onto their relationship with God. And so somebody maybe didn't treat them good or somebody abused them or somebody was hard with them or whatever. And so because of that, then they transferred that relationship over to the relationship with God. God is not a man. So, you know, just because people have failed you or people have walked out on you or people have betrayed you or people have let you down, you know, then you can't transfer that over over to God. God is not like that. He will never, ever, never leave you nor forsake you. You know, people can do crazy things and just almost go berserk sometimes and and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, even though there's all kinds of stuff going on, uh, you know, and, and we ought to know uh, beforehand that people are subject to do stuff like that and not get our hope up too high with people. <laughs> are you still here? And have more of our identity and have more of our security in our relationship with the Father. Right? Kind of get weaned off. Right? How many knows that, you know, if everybody don't like this sermon and tells me about it, you know, after the service, if God says, good boy, boy," that's exactly what I wanted you to minister tonight, and everybody said, couldn't stand it, didn't like it. Well, I can still go home tonight if my happiness is not in your head. Right? <laughs> and and you, you've got to get your happiness out of other people's head because otherwise then you're going to be subject to other people's disapproval and your emotions are going to go this way and that way and your self-esteem is going to be up and down according to how people say and do and treat you. And, and somebody can come by and just mess your whole day up by saying, you know, something about you or disapproving you. Well, we're not looking to be arrogant and, and, you know, independent in the sense that we're separating ourselves from everybody. That's a wrong spirit, right? But at the same time, if you're, if you're pleasing God and other people disapprove of you while you're pleasing God, the Bible teaches that the fear of man or, or too much respect, uh, you know, from, you know, trying to please men, uh, can be a snare. The Bible says the fear of man is a snare. In other words, a snare is something that an animal gets caught in and captivates him and takes him captive and holds him so that he can't get free. And, of course, we know that snares go back to the enemy, and he wants to snare you. And, you know, the only way to get rid of the fear of, of, of man is to have the fear of God. If you fear and you re reverence and respect God and his opinion of you is what matters more, then it gets you free of what other people think about you. But then if you fear people too much, 
more than you fear God, right? And, you know, that's what people call peer pressure. Well, I'm not going to stand up and tell them I'm a Christian because then I won't be accepted. Well, that's fearing people more than you fear God. You know, if people ask, yes, I am a Christian. I am born again. I'm one of those holy rolling, tongue-talking, Bible-believing, devil-casting-out, wild Pentecostals. (laughs) Right? And I don't care that the world don't approve. So, you know you're going down in the popularity plug. No, I don't care (laughs) because I'm not in a popularity contest. I'm in a pleasing God contest. Jesus was not popular in his day. Paul was not popular in his day. Other godly men and women were not popular with religious circles or with society in some ways. And, uh, And so I'd just rather join their ranks. Can you say amen? And if suffer, if need be, for a season with the people of God, then to have the applause and the respect and the honor of the world. Say, well, you're not cool. Well, Jesus wasn't cool. Isaiah wasn't cool. You have to watch about as a minister trying to be cool. That's one thing I respect about Lance and Lisa. They're youth ministers, and a lot of youth ministers will try to be cool to be all the youth's personal friends. Well, you can't be your child's friend and their parents sometimes. Because sometimes parents have to make decisions that the kids don't necessarily like. And so I don't like mom and daddy because they made me do such and such. Well, we're not here to try to win everybody's popularity. We're here before God to bring you up in the nurture and admonition of God. And we've got your best interest at heart that we're willing to actually, you know, uh, you know, put, put your friendship on the line to tell you the truth. You know, I, the teachers that I respect now are not the teachers that let me get by with everything and didn't teach me anything. Actually, they wasted my time and their own. Right? I mean, you know, there's no use to be hard. You, you know, the Bible teaches that you know that you know the way you teach that you know can cause learning to increase if you teach with sweetness and you know, and so there's no thing about being hard. But sometimes people that expect things out of you, God expects things out of us. He expects us to be blameless at the return of His Son. Well, the reason He expects us is that because He loves us. He expects us to be wholehearted. He expects us to do our best. He doesn't expect us to the degree of perfection where he exasperates us and breaks our spirit. But he, you know and he knows when you're doing your best. <laughs> so I didn't want a youth minister that was the coolest youth minister. I wanted a youth minister where that was an example of godliness and set a standard for our youth to follow. 
and not, you know, since we're off on that, Lance and Lisa have done that, and I'm pleased with them. We've got a godly bunch of youth because, you know, the leaders didn't try to be their friend and be cool. They, you know, uh, expected them to grow up in the knowledge and nurture of, of God. Can you say amen? And you want a pastor like that, too. You want leaders like that that love you, but at the same time are not just, you know, want to be, uh, you know, uh, have, you know, the approval of people because they preach whatever the people want to hear. Amen. How many want, want the truth? Amen. Praise God. So God gives us the truth. He speaks the truth in love. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Sit with me. God is a wonderful, good, gracious, loving, kind, merciful, heavenly Father. And I'm his favorite. And he does favors. Shows mercy to me. <laughs> this is a good message tonight. I'm telling you. I'm telling you the devil works hard to get you off of this uh, foundation. But uh, praise God. So the Lord is merciful and gracious of the disposition to do favors. What's, what's the also the Lord like? Slow to get angry. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. You know, the more you're, you're like the Lord, the more you're slow to get angry. So I just got a hot temper. I can't control my temper. If you say so. If you believe that and say that, then it's, you know, you need to change. You need to say, I'm slow to get angry. You know, your flesh flares up. You need to discern, are you angry because of personal selfish reasons or are you angry because there's a true injustice? Jesus got angry on a couple of occasions where people wanted people, didn't care for them, they were hard-hearted and didn't care if they got healed or not and things like that. But, uh, you know, most of the time when we get angry, it's because of the something that people did to us. What they said to us or what they did to us. Right? And the Bible says we're dead. If you try to get the guy in the coffin uh, angry, uh, you know, you can call him, you know, you can say you're one of the scummiest individuals that I ever met in my life. I couldn't stand you. Your mama was ugly. <laughs> she wore army boots. <laughs> he going to get offended. No, he's dead. <laughs> but, you know, it's easy. Don't you talk about my mama like that. Don't you talk about my kids. Don't you talk about me like that. Let me give you a piece of my mind. Well, the problem with that is if you give them too many pieces, you ain't got any left. 
the Bible says that we don't rail when we're railed against. So, you know, if somebody says, I can't stand you, I don't like you, and you say, well, you just don't know me. If you knew me, you'd love me, and I love you. I hope you have a blessed day. What can you do with that? I mean, you know, uh, you know, there's, you know, times driving that people make gestures. <laughs> and if they make a gesture, you know, you just need to smile and go. <laughs> right? I know, you know, the Bible says love is patient and kind and suffers long, suffers long, suffers long. You know, how long? You know, I know <laughs> the Lord dealt with me on that, uh, on that illustration about uh, long, about traveling with kids. And uh, kids say, uh, I need to go to the restroom. And, uh, you know, usually parents' respond is, can you hold it? How long can you hold it? <laughs> Just like, you know, you need to go to the restroom, sometimes your tongue has an urge to say something. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm not going to say that. How many of you not supposed to say everything that comes to your mind? That's a revelation for some people. <laughs> Proverbs says, the wise man studies to answer. Right? Let's see. How I'm going to say it, timing on when I'm going to say it, content on what I'm going to say it. <laughs> we all grow in that area, and that is, you know, a revelation of growing some spiritually when you, the Bible says, you know, a man that's perfect is able to control his whole body, you know, and it talks about controlling your tongue. And so it's like, how long can you hold it? How long can you, you know, uh, you know, not respond? Right? And so, you know, the Bible says, let every man be quick to hear. Right? Good listener. Right? Right? Uh, Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. Slow to wrath because it says the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. Amen. You know, and again, people do what they can get by with. I've had men counseling, you know, their wives would beat on their wives and uh, hit them physically and uh, you know I've heard excuses well I just can't help it my temper just gets out of control but it's amazing they can be around another man that weighs 150 pounds more than they do that solid muscle and somehow they control it around that other man no people do what they get but what they you know allow themselves to do sit with me I can control my temper I control my tongue I can control how much I eat 
I can control my eyes. I can put my body under and bring it into subjection. <laughs> Amen. So, well, you know, if you grow spiritually, you get to a place where you don't have to keep your flesh under. That's not scriptural. Paul, who wrote half the New Testament and saw multiple visions of Jesus, said, I keep under my body and I bring it under subjection. I is the real man, the spirit man. I keep under my body. If Paul had to keep his body under, you and me are going to have to keep our body under. The Bible says that our flesh is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So your flesh is not going to do the will of God. Right? Not until you get, uh, you know, a new body where you have perfect harmony between uh, your, your flesh and, and your spirit. But the Bible says walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Bible didn't say walk in the spirit and you won't have any lust of your flesh. Right? It says walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill them. So your flesh is going to want to do things. You know, the Bible lists the works of the flesh, and it also lists the fruit of the Spirit. But uh, if you feed your spirit and, uh, and, and pray and exercise your spirit, then your spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger, and you bring your flesh and your mind into dominion. Can you say amen? How did we get off on that? Amen. God is slow to anger. Say it with me. God is slow to anger. And I'm slow to anger. God doesn't get offended easily. And I don't get offended easily. Amen. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 119, Great peace have they that love your word or your law and nothing shall offend them. Is it possible to walk through life without getting offended? According to the Word of God, it is. If you love God's law, amen. How many believe Jesus went around offended all the time, miffed, having a pity party, always complaining about what people thought about him? Interesting community noises, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and what? Plenteous in mercy. Aren't you glad? Uh, he'll not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Even with Israel, you know, he, you know, when they went into captivity after centuries of idolatry, he brought them back out of that after 70 years. Can you say amen? He hath not dealt with us after our sins. Aren't you glad? Amen? Nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. <laughs> Anybody ever messed up and knew that you didn't deserve the blessings of God, but God forgave you 
and restored your righteousness and blessed you. You know, he said, I, even I, am he that blots out your transgressions and will not remember your sins for mine own sake. Not just for our sake, but for his own sake so he can continue to bless us. Amen. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Can anybody shout about that? <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 13, like as a father pities his children. We're back to what we're talking about, the father. Like as a father pities or has compassion on his children, so the Lord pities those or has compassion or mercy on those that fear him. Do you fear the Lord tonight? Then he has compassion and mercy on you. Aren't you glad? Back to Matthew. I wanted to read two scriptures. Let's go to John 17, 23. I said that God loves you and you are his favorite. He loves you just like he loves Jesus. Would he answer Jesus' prayer? Would he meet Jesus' needs? Would he be with Jesus? Was he pleased with Jesus? Did he enjoy fellowshipping with Jesus? Then all those things apply to you. The relationship that the new covenant and the grace has brought us into as sons of God challenges this love for us. Amen. John 17, and uh, Jesus is praying here, verse 21, that they all may be one. This is unity, right? As you, Father, are in me and I in thee. He wanted us to have the same unity on earth as the Godhead had in heaven. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know, the unity and the love of Christians testifies to the world that there is a disparity, uh, you know, disparity and something lacking in, uh, in their lives. Amen? And so he said here that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me, now notice this last part, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. I marked out them in my Bible and wrote ten. That thou, uh, that thou hast sent me and hast loved him as thou hast loved me. God loves you and I just like he loves Jesus. That's a beautiful truth. Can you say amen? Uh, turn back just over to the next chapter, John 16, 27. Well, this is where we were talking about before. 
Verse 23, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. He's talking about after he was raised from the dead, the new covenant. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. He's a good father. He's a giver, not a withholder. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. All he requires is trust and faith. Verse 25, These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time comes when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, that I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I shall not, and I say not unto you that, that I will pray the Father. Listen to verse 27. For the Father himself does what? Loves you because you have loved me. You love Jesus tonight? Then the Father loves you. And have believed that I came forth from God. Amen? Then John 14 John is rich with the revelation of God's love, and, you know, he called himself, what? The disciple that the Lord loved, right? Praise God. He had that revelation. He said in verse uh, 20 of 14, he said, At that day, talking about the new covenant day again, you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me, what? Shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him. And will manifest myself to him. Judah saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thee will manifest yourself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And what? My Father will love him, and we will come unto him, both Jesus and the Father, and make our abode, our residence, our dwelling place with him. Man, that ought to set your heart to dancing. You are greatly loved. You're the Lord's favorite, and the Lord loves you just as he loves Jesus. Can you say amen? Now Matthew 7, and we'll finish. Matthew 7. You know, we started on the offering, and he said in verse 2, to your father knows you have need, and then we looked at verse 8, the same chapter, but your father knows that you have need of all these things right say it again my father loves me and he knows my needs and it's his joy to meet my every need amen so uh, we need to get to know the heavenly father just like we get to know Jesus amen uh, and then uh, here, after talking about this whole passage about the Father so much, he gets down to uh, uh, chapter 7. He says in verse 7 of chapter 7, he says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Can you say amen?
Seek and what? You shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, one day, I, I, you know, you can get revelation on simple things sometimes. One day I got to thinking about shall because he says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open. One day I decided to look up shall in the dictionary because it is the most emphatic word in the English language. Will and shall. I will do it. I shall do it are the most emphatic words that we speak. So I looked shall up in the dictionary. And it had several meanings. One of them was certain. And another one was inevitable. If it shall be, it's inevitable. Well, I, you know, I don't use inevitable in my vocabulary, so I decided to look inevitable up. And the definition of inevitable was impossible of being stopped or avoided. Ask, and it's impossible of being stopped or avoided that you shall receive. Seek, and it's impossible of being stopped or avoided that you'll find. Knock, and it's impossible, it's inevitable, it's certain, it shall, it will happen. God can't lie. And, you know, and faith works by love. If you love, if you know somebody loves you, you can trust them. And the reason that people, you know, have trouble trusting God is they just don't know Him personally as He really is. Hopefully, some of those lies have been washed away tonight, and that faith has been strengthened. God is gracious; He's a giver. If you ask for something that's His will, you got it. You just have to trust and believe that He's good. He's a giver upon request. No good thing will he withhold. Can you say amen? No good thing. For the next verse says, for everyone, and this is all in the context of God being our Father, for everyone that asketh receiveth. Well, you're included in everyone. And he or she that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now he goes back into the fatherhood again. Or what man is there of you whom if his son, so he's talking about a father-son relationship, he asks for bread, will, if he asks for bread, will give him a stone. Now it says in Matthew 15, later in this book, healing is the children's bread. If you ask for healing, he'll give you healing. Can you say amen? Or I any other good thing. Uh, if He said... What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread will give him a stone? How many of you got kids, if they asked a sandwich, you would go outside and give them a rock and give it to them? You wouldn't, right? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a snake? If, if your kid said, I want some fish sticks, Mom, and you said, here, have these, you know, constrictors and these rattlesnakes. No. Natural parents wouldn't do that. He said in verse 11, if you then being evil, because sometimes natural parents can be carnal and, and bad. He said, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, are you, did you wear your shouting clothes? How, how much more? Say that with me. 
How much more? Now, if a natural parent would do that, he's saying, how much more shall whose father? Your father that loves you like he loved Jesus, who you are his favorite. How much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Wow, you're talking about a good father. He's a good, 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 good father. Amen. You know, if you need something from God tonight, uh, you know, just a simple revelation of him being a father and how much he loves you, you can ask him and he'll do it for you. Amen. I don't know what you have need of, but he knows what you have need of. And the Bible says, if you ask, you will receive. Amen. Stand up with us. Say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this relationship that you've brought me into of being your child and your son through your love and your grace. I thank you that you know what I have need of before I ask. Thank you, Lord, for direction. Thank you, Lord, for healing. Thank you, Lord, for every financial need met. Thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for wisdom. And if there's any other need, I believe that as I ask, he hears, and that need is granted, and it is mine in Jesus' name. I believe that he loves me and that I can trust him and I believe I receive and I give him thanks now because I know it shall be done unto me. Thank you, Father, for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know that we can make it any simple. That's just A, B, C's of faith. And that puts faith not in some kind of principled, mechanical state, but it's a relationship. Faith based on personal knowledge of his character, his faithfulness, and his love. Amen? And faith is not about crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. It's just knowing him that he don't lie in what he said he'll do it. Can you say amen? So he's a good, good father. I've helped myself tonight. Hopefully I've helped you talking about our father. You can rest tonight knowing, you know, perfect love casts out fear. 
He will no more let you down or not meet your needs than anything in the world if you can just trust him. Amen. Praise God. Well, we went just a little long, but it was worth going long for. That'll keep you through all your life, all of your days. Ushers, come forward. We have long-suffering ushers at our church. <laughs> Except for Steve. <laughs> he gets mad and throws offering buckets and <laughs> throws a computer in the floor in the accounting room. You just never know about him. He's no... Thank God for people that love God. Amen. Let's offer our gifts tonight. Father, we thank you for meeting our needs. We thank you, Lord God, for blessing this church. And, uh, Father, we give you the glory and the honor and praise that uh, you just cause us to increase more and more so we can be a greater and greater blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. One one thing I wanted to comment on, you know, the church has a little plane, and, uh, and uh, so uh, I... Pastor Ken Jr. and Lynette was ministering in Jonesboro, Arkansas yesterday and today, and so uh, I got to fly over at last night and this morning, and uh, praise God, it's a five and a half hour drive, so it would have been 11 hours on the road, but it was a three hour flight back and over and back, so uh, praise God, that plane is a good little tool, it's not a speed burner, but you know, praise God. I mean, I had a tailwind coming back and was flying about 140 miles an hour. And uh, the Lord helped with the weather. Uh, there was a layer of clouds at 4,000 and a layer at 6,000. And so I flew right in between them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like you could step out of the cockpit on the clouds, and if you looked up, they were right above you, you know. So it was fun just flying right there like that. And uh, the Lord helped us get back without having to uh, fly the weather. So God is so good, amen. And we sowed over there. The church sowed into Rama. They had Rama Day today, so we sowed into Bible college. Y'all happy about that? We've got two students in Bible school, and then, uh, you know, they're putting out ministers all over the world. I think Rama, you know, I'm not, there's those other good camps and other good works. They've got a uh, 230-something Bible schools now worldwide. And uh, I think 250 have been approved. There's about another 15 or 20 that's going to be up and running before too long. So the Lord has blessed that ministry and, and the word of faith through that ministry, and so we're glad to support that. That's God's work. Amen. So we're doing good for the kingdom of God as we have opportunity to do it. Amen. All right, God bless you. Have a good night. And remember, you've got a good, good, good father.